uh, going to be multiple teachers. I'm going to start it out, and then uh, I'll go for a little lengthier uh, segment. And then, Jason, I'm going to ask you, and then uh, afterwards, Benjamin. So we'll get through the three, and then it'll probably uh, break time. Um, but we'll, we'll take our break at 10.15. Uh, so we'll see how far we go, and then we'll take our break, and then we'll go the next one. Um, at any moment, you could ask a question. Uh, the questions will be answered by uh, by Brother Jason, Brother Miguel, or Benjamin, or Ty, or myself. All right? So at any time, you can stop, like, hey, maybe you can make that clear, or, hey, I got a question now that we're on that topic. All right? And so here's the idea. My first one, um, this segment that I'm going to do, it's, uh, we're going to call this um, the Sturwalt, the Sturwalt Principle. I'm right now, uh, a project of mine, a personal project, is I'm working on missionary principles, some principles and missions. And uh, so I wrote uh, 21 of them, and uh, I might do a knockoff of uh, John Maxwell, 21 Laws. But uh, anyway, I got 21 principles uh, of missions. The first one, that I want to talk to you about, that I want to discuss with you, is called the Sturwalt Principle. I'll explain it. The Sturwalt Principle is nothing more than if you want to give like a, uh, um, I don't know, subject line or, you know, an underheading there, it would be staying for the long haul. Staying for the long haul. So uh, let me explain who this is, where it comes from, and we'll go to there. Um, Randy Sturwalt was a missionary for probably 40 years, maybe, um, in Kenya. And... Uh, he is a hero of mine. He's been here many times uh, to Vision Baptist Church and to Vision Baptist Missions. He's taught, and if you saw him, he's now with the Lord. He passed away in COVID time. Uh, I think it was 2020, uh, not 2021, but either way, he passed passed away in the last couple of years. Um, he was a man of God, used greatly of God, just a super humble man, quiet man, uh, would to be quite honest, if you were to look outwardly appearance, it would, like you would say, oh, he's just a normal guy. You know, you wouldn't look and say like, oh, this must be the Michael Jordan of missions. Nevertheless, he probably was. Uh, he started 350 churches. Be quite honest, and that wasn't churches that he didn't even consider that were churches of his. Like guys who had left his ministry and started churches like, yeah, he's not with us. That's not in the 350. I'm like, Lord have mercy. I mean, the guy was incredible. So one of the times that he came and he taught in a missions class, um, it was students and missionaries. And I remember uh, during that specific, it's something that he repeated over and over, but I remember specifically during this time that uh, someone had asked him, whether a student or missionary, someone had asked him, uh, what was the key to his success? Now, think about this. If you see a guy who started 350 churches. Now, um, I will never, like, you know, never even make the heel of where, you know, the man was standing, ministerially, spiritually, like anything. Um, so when somebody asks, like, so what's the, the key to your success? Like, all of a sudden, everybody's doing things, and everybody's just like, I got to hear this. You know, is it going to be his preaching style? Man, I mean, he's just a dynamic preacher, and he was a good preacher. Was it his, uh, you know, the love for the Kenyan people? And, and certainly he had that. Was it uh, the language ability that he had to speak uh uh, Swahili? Was it, I don't know, something, some philosophy that he learned? Was it some ability or hidden talent? So when somebody asked him, what is the key to your success? How did you, 350 churches, 
And when he answered, it took, at least it took me by surprise. Because I was expecting him to say something and be like, yeah, well, I'm just not like him, right? Or, yeah, okay, I could see that, you know, it's, it's only a secret of Kenya or it's only something I did. But what he said took me by surprise because it gave me hope. And it could give every one of us hope. And this is what he said. The key to his success was staying for the long haul. He simply said, and, and I wrote down some exact things that, that he said. He's a very humble man. Um, but when he was asked about success, he said this. Uh, he said, it wasn't until my third missionary term. So he's 11 years in. A missionary term is four years. So he said, it wasn't until my, until my third term. So four years on the field, one year off the field. Four years on the field, one year off the field, so 10 in. Third term, meaning he's now in the 11th year. He spent four years, one year in the United States on furlough, four years, one year. So uh, he spent 10 years. He's on his 11th. He said after his 11th, or excuse me, after his third term, 11 years minimum. He said it wasn't until, until my third term that I saw things begin to produce fruit. And I, I remember when he said that, I was like, wait, what? And here was the idea. He said, many missionaries do not see the fruit because they don't stay around long enough to see it. When he said, I thought, duh. But at the same time, I thought, wow, that's profound. And so I want to talk to you this morning for a couple of minutes about the Sturwalt principle. At least I'm calling it the Sturwalt principle. Um, you can call it, you know, staying for the long haul. You call it anything you want. Um, it, uh, but in my mind, it's called the Sturwalt principle because the great success came from a simple principle that is, if you stay, you will see the fruit. Um, a missionary, a book that I was reading, it's called So You Want to Be a Missionary. And it's a book that we just added. Uh, Travis and I just added it to the um, the new intern list for one of the top books. It's called uh, so you want to be a missionary, and uh, the book is by, uh, it says Essential Considerations by Don Mingo, which is a fabulous book. I took all kinds of good things out of it. But this is what he said. Um, Half of all new missionaries do not last beyond their first term on the field. So this is his, I mean, he's going all across the board. He's going uh, probably, you know, every stripe uh, of missionaries that are out there, it uh, doesn't matter what they're doing. They're church planners or they're, you know, starting soccer leagues or they're starting coffee shops or whatever. He said half of the missionaries that are out there, they don't last past their first term. So here's what I want you to think, which would be four years, right? And so if the majority of missionaries leave within four years of service, according to Brother Randy Sturwalt, that means they will never see much fruit. Um, if you stick it out, you'll see the fruit. But if you leave beforehand, you'll miss out on the fruit, right? The fruitful season comes only after a fruitful time of service. You can't enjoy the fruit without putting the years into seeing, the, you know, into, uh, I don't know, uh, digging, into planting, into watering, into doing all of the work. So I'm going to share this and I'll get into a couple. I want to break it down into a couple different things. Everybody wants to see fruit, right? And so if I would ask you, when you get to the mission field, do you want to see fruit? How many of us would say, yes, I want to see fruit? I mean, I would. Well, you say uh, that would be people that are one to Jesus, men that are trained for ministry, 
churches that are started, buildings that are purchased for, you know, that people go out and start other church. Whatever way you see fruit, probably all of us would say, you better believe I want to see fruit. I mean, who wants to go out there? Like, who says, we have missionary heroes, right? Uh, William Carey and Hudson Taylor and Adoniram Judson and C.T. Studd, all these guys. But say Adoniram Judson didn't see his first convert until seven years. Now, I don't think, I think that's a totally different time. Like he went into Burma and he tried to get into India, but he ended up going to Burma. Like in a different day, you know, going on a boat, none of us are going to spend three months on a boat. And if you do, it's called a long Disney cruise. You know, it's not getting to the mission field, right? But, um, you know, it was a whole different time. But none of us want to see, none of us want to go and like, I want to spend two years of absolutely nothing. I don't care about the fruit. Like, eh, you're probably lying. Or you've got serious issues. You know, I got one of the two, right? But um, we all want to see fruit. I want to see fruit. I mean, everybody wants to see fruit, right? And so uh, let me give you a couple different, if uh, we're going to see the fruit, um, we have to be in it for the long haul. If God directed you to serve him, don't change your orders on your own. The fruit will come but you have to decide to pay the price and to put in the time, right? And so here are three encouraging thoughts on why to continue and not to quit. So let me give you three thoughts, and I'm going to break up a little bit more. If we're going to do the Sturwalt principle, let me give you three thoughts. First of all, we're going to see the natural, the natural. So in the, the natural, which would be the natural, natural concept, it simply means a child doesn't learn to crawl or talk overnight, right? You know, it's amazing because uh, when parents have kids, they're like, I can't wait until they speak. Then they get two, and all they do is ask questions, like, for the next two years. And they're like, I wish they would shut up. You're like, what in the world? You know, but the natural concept, everybody knows that a kid crawls, a baby crawls before a baby can walk, right? Everybody knows that someone listens before they can talk, right? There's a natural. Everybody knows that, you know, if you have a garden or whatever, you're like, you want to see tomatoes or jalapenos or cucumbers or whatever. Everybody knows that you plant, you have to wait the season, the rain has to come, the sun has So there's a natural concept. Second, there's a spiritual concept. So we're going to do the, the Sturwalt principle. We're going to stay, first of all, there's the natural. Like, in other words, I just want you to realize that what we're asking about, stay in the, the long haul, on the mission field. I mean, there's a natural, like, well, duh, it takes, you know, for something to grow or duh, for a kid to, to, to walk. Secondly, there's a spiritual concept. And the spiritual is this. You yourself want to grow. It took you years of reading the Bible and growing, right? Uh, maybe uh, learning in a church, maybe different messages that you've heard, maybe time in the Word, a lot of different things. To deepen biblical knowledge or to grow in spiritual maturity, that's you or that's the people that you're teaching. For them to grow in spiritual maturity, it's going to take time. For the natural, obviously, you know, to grow the cucumbers or whatever, it takes time, right? For the spiritual, for somebody to grow in the Lord or for you to grow in the Lord, it takes time, right? All of these have, let me give you one more, the ministerial concept. And the ministerial concept is that you want to see someone go from salvation to spiritual maturity to service, to Christian service, to serving the Lord. Now they're leading a Sunday school class. Now they're winning other people to Jesus. Now they're preaching at a church. Now they're whatever it may be. If you want to see that, it takes time. Every one of these, the natural, spiritual, ministerial, it all takes time. All of them. Doesn't matter what your personality, like, I'm a little bit different. I am going to, you know, or my language is, doesn't matter where you're at geographically. Doesn't matter what the language is. People are still people. And for them to get saved, 
and go from saved to faithful to church, growing, you know, roots down to serving the Lord, faithful, you know, whether they're leading the singing, leading a, a Sunday school class, bringing people to church, whatever that is, it's going to take time, right? For church to grow, for Christians to learn to give, for pri- uh, properties purchased on the field, for ministries to see fruit, whatever it is, it takes time. So here's the whole idea. If you're going to be the success of the mission field, now, obviously, Brother Sturwell, he could have said, well, you know, um, it was having a good wife, and it was. It was loving the Lord, and it is. It was learning the language, and it is. It was, you know, all these learning the culture and loving the people, all these different things. There's a lot, but the success, the simple step that he taught was if you're going to be successful, you have to stay in it for the long haul. The natural takes time. The spiritual takes time. The ministerial, it takes time. So let me give you, under this ministerial, let me give you several different things to think about, and this would be if you're going to stay. One, stay during the hard times. So I'm going to give several different verses, and I'm going to ask everybody to look up different verses, and uh, and we'll read them as we go through. Um, let's start, if we could, Gabriel Wilder, we'll start with you. Look up Galatians 6, verse number 9, please. Jacob, if you could look up Proverbs 24, verse number 10, please. Um, Damaris, if you could look up Psalms 37, verse number 23. Julie, if you could look up Proverbs 24 and verse number, I think it's verse number 16. We'll find out here in a second. Um, And then Noah, if you could look up Jeremiah 1, verse number 17. And then Sarah, if you could look up Matthew 6, verse number 5. And Jojo, if you could look up Matthew 23, verse number 5. And uh, and then let's see if Juan, if you could look up uh, Matthew five verse number forty four. Ty, would you mind looking up First Thessalonians five verse number twenty four? Nate, if you can go Philippians chapter one verse number six, we'll stop right there. So if you're gonna the Sirwalt principle, simple, simple, staying for the long haul. Staying for the long haul, we have to realize that according to that book that did a study above everybody, they said that. Half of missionaries don't make it past the first term. Now, we can go and maybe on another day we'll touch, or another class, we'll touch on why missionaries leave the field. I, I believe there's uh, marital issues, there's um, personal character issues, there's money issues, the not using the money right. There are ministry, There's a lot of different things that we could say. But right now we're just talking about if you're going to stay for the long haul, and you have to realize that if you're going to stay, it's going to take time. There's a natural, there's a spiritual, there's a ministerial. So if you're going to stay, then one, stay in the hard times. Listen to this verse. You know this verse probably by heart. Galatians 6, verse number 9. Go ahead. And let us not be weary of well-being. Okay, in due season, we're going to reap if we don't what? If we faint not. So, number one, stay in the hard times. It does not... Hide the fact, and by the way, we can go with, um, let's see, we can go with uh, uh, 1 Timothy, I think it's 3, verse number 12, they that live godly are going to suffer persecution. Um, We can go with, uh, let's see, is it John 16, verse number 33, in this world ye shall have tribulation. You know, there's going to be affliction. There's going to be, yesterday in my devotion, uh, I read a verse that, like, totally, I'm reading my Bible I have one plan that's in English and one plan in Spanish, 
And I read this in Spanish, and I thought, you got to be kidding. I didn't even know that was in there. I read it in English, so I'm like, okay, I could see that, but it's just not as clear. But Psalms 119, um, and let me read it to you real quick. Psalm 119, and I think it's verse number 92. And this is amazing. It says this, Psalm 119, verse number 92, unless thy law had been my delight, if I didn't love your, if, if I had not loved your word, unless thy law had been my delight, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I would not have made it if I didn't love your word. I would have fainted if I didn't love your word. I would have quit if I did not put my heart, my desire, my love, my delight in the word of God. And let me tell you, you as well will quit. Because when things get shaken up and the wind blows you out, the only, the pine trees fall, the oak trees stand. You know why? Very few roots, a lot of roots. Uh, the difference between the seed that was thrown, it was sown, right? You remember that? Some grew really fast and then it withered away. Some, the, the birds plucked away. The, all, the soil was the same. The seed was the same. But how it took it was totally different, right? And, and like, uh, so the soil wasn't the same. Some was hard. Some was the rock. Some was, uh, but it was the same seed that was thrown out there. But the ones that dug down roots, that, that went up, that shot up, and that lasted. You're going to go through hard times. And when the hard times knock you down, if you're going to stay, you have to say, I'm staying even in the hard times. Let me give you a second one. Stay when you don't feel like it. Proverbs 24, verse number 10. Jacob, if you could read that for us. Bless you. Okay, adversity, difficulty, affliction, trials, troubles, hard times, right? If you faint in the day of adversity, Proverbs 24, 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is what? Small. So, one, stay in the hard times. Two, stay when you don't feel like it. What does the Bible say? That we walk by faith, not by sight. Not by feelings either, right? Because your feelings are like roller coasters. They take you up and down and all around, and they jerk your neck and make you go to the chiropractor, right? I mean, they, they hurt. But you don't live by feelings. Stay in the hard times. Stay even when you don't feel like it. By the way, um, when you get married, you won't always feel like loving your spouse, but you still have a responsibility. You won't always feel like reading your Bible, but you still must read the Bible. You won't always feel like going to work, but you still go to work, right? It's not called, I read a book, it's called Adulting. It was actually really, really good. And in this book called Adulting, um, I think it was Jonathan Pollock or something like that. It was fabulous. And this is what he said. He said that he was talking about generational changes. And he said, if a kid would have asked grandpa, grandpa, did you love your job? The grandpa would have said, love my job. I didn't go to work because I loved it. It's called work. I went to make money so I could put food on the table. And he said, there's a generational idea of we have to love our job. And I think you could love anything that you do. But he said, the idea is work is work. If it was fun, everybody would be doing it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. But you work because, so you won't always feel like it, but you still do it, right? So stay one, when it's in hard times. Two, stay when you don't feel like it. Three, stay when you fall. I'm not talking about you fall into wicked sin. Oh, you might fall into temptation, but I'm saying we all stumble. We all fall. We all, you know, like uh, the difference between a, um, a, a girl and a boy. I'm a daddy of uh, four girls and one boy, and my girls fall. I'm like, come here, sweetie. It's okay. 
my son falls, I'm like, hey, hey, get up, buddy. What are you doing? Like, stand up. My wife's like, come here. And I'm like, no, 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 leave him alone. He needs to learn to stand. The scrapes are good. And I tell my son, you know what? Um, what is a, uh, uh, um, cicatrices, uh, scars. I say, you know what? Scars make men. Now, I don't know. He believes me up till now. I'll give him a couple of years and he'll be like, are you serious, dad? That's what you told me. <laughs> but he believes scars are good. Now listen to this. If you, anybody can and will fall. The question is not will you fall. The question is will you get back up after you fall? So here's two different verses. Uh, Damaris, did you have um, Psalm 37 verse number 23? Though he fall, it doesn't say if he falls. Though he fall, Psalm 37, verse 23, though he fall, he should not be able to cast down. Why? For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The Sirwell principle is to stay. There's a, it takes time in the natural, it takes time in the spiritual, it takes time in the ministerial, but you have to decide you're going to stay. Stay in the hard times. Stay when you don't feel like it. Stay even when you fall. One more verse, Proverbs 24, um, maybe it's verse number six. What does verse number six say? Um, it's one of the two. What is it? Okay. All right, go for it. There you go. That's it. Thank you. So a just man falls seven times. Proverbs 24, verse number 16. Just man falls seven times. And what happens? He rises again. You say, man, I, me I messed up. They're making fun of me uh, for how I speak the language. Get back up. Man, I just made some people seriously mad. I don't even know if I should say, get back up. Man, I just don't feel like, huh, I don't even love this place anymore. Get back up. Man, things are different. Get back up. It doesn't matter what happened. Get back up. One of the greatest lessons that uh, I learned, uh, I did a really, I did tons of stupid things when I was a uh, missionary in Argentina. One of the many dumb things, I remember I had a, um, a meeting and I thought this was a great idea. I had all of the Sunday school teachers and the workers of our church. So it was just a bunch of, uh, you know, they're probably all 22, 23, 24. And so I had a bunch of them. And I said, uh, so tell me, we're talking about all these different things. And I don't know, there was probably 12 of them at this time. And I said, uh, so tell me some things that, that you like. Tell me some things that you don't like in the church. And I should have never said that. Because, buddy, when I opened that up, there was this one girl. She felt like she was a judgment angel of the Lord sent down to, you know, let us all know, you know, how we're failing. And she went on, and like, when she started, like, she was like, you know what I don't like? And she just started, and like, it's almost like the floodgates opened up, baby. Like, boom, I'm just, and I don't like, and I don't like, about after the third, I don't like, I'm just like, I'm already feeling horrible. The rest, you know, she's like, she's like killing the dead horse, you know, like, um, and like, she just kept going and going. I'm like, Lord have mercy. Anyway, so afterwards, I think everybody saw like, like, I'm, this is horrible. And so I'm like, um, Okay, Jennifer, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Like, I really, I'm like, I know I don't appreciate this, but like, thank you. You know, like, and so I don't remember what I did. We finally closed out. I went, I went home and I was like, I was devastated. The next morning I woke up and like, I remember going out and one of my good friends, he's now a pastor in Argentina. Uh, he came over and uh, we were, I don't know what we were doing and talking about some things. And I was sitting down and he said, what's the matter with you? Now, he was a Bible college student at the time. And he said, what's the matter with you? And I said, Jorge, did you hear what Jennifer said yesterday? And he's like, yeah. And I said, uh, I don't know. Maybe I should just 
I don't know, maybe I should just leave and go somewhere else and start again. Like, and I was really contemplating. I thought, you ungrateful, you know, like, I don't, I'm just going to leave. Have your own church. I don't care. You know, I'll just go start something over here. I was so hurt and I was so mad. And, you know, like she killed my ego and stomped on it, you know, 33 times. Like it just slammed me, body slammed me everywhere. And so I said, ah, you know, I don't know. And this is what he said. He looked at me and said, uh, who called you here? I'm like, what? I'm like, look, you little punk Bible college student. Like, what are you saying? He said, well, who called you here? So, well, I mean, I came because I, you know, I felt like God wanted me to go. And he said, and you're going to leave because of a girl? And I'm like, I'm going to so hurt you right now. You're like, that is not cool. But he was totally right. He said, it's fine. Not everybody's going to like it. Get back up. And those words, like, I mean, just it shook me to the core. Listen, because there's hard times, we all fall. Get back up. Whether you fall because someone pushes you or you fall by your own merit, get back up. Anybody can fall. Don't stay down. So stay in the hard times. Stay when you don't feel like it. Stay when you fall. Another one, stay when no one likes you. All right. Jeremiah 1, verse number 17. This is an interesting one. Go ahead. All right, so this is obviously different. This is, uh, you know, Jeremiah. He says, God called me when I was a child. And God's speaking this Old Testament prophet. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 17. God's speaking this old, uh, you know, Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah. And the Lord says something to him. I think that's good for us. He said, don't be dismayed because of their faces. Like, what are we doing this for? Are you doing it because, you know, you're wanting popular recognition? Are you doing this because they like you? Then keep on going. That's not why we stay. People are going, there's going to be people who don't like you. Matthew 6, verse number 5. Sarah? They love to do what they do to be seen of who? Men. Did you see what I did? Now, it feels good when people appreciate you, doesn't it? Like, uh, uh, like it's great, but it's not always going to be appreciated. Matthew 23, verse number 5. Joe? Okay, so once again, these religious people, they did it to be seen of who? Men. Um, Matthew 5, verse number 44. Juan? Yes. Okay, so when it says, um, bless them that curse you, be good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you, persecute you, that means you're going to have people who don't like you. But even when people don't like you, you still stay. Because we're not doing it, what is it, Colossians 3, 20, uh, 23, I think it is. Um, what is it? Colossians 3.23, that we're doing this as unto the Lord and not for man. We don't do this for man. We do it for the Lord, right? Um, all right, let me give you one more. Stay, this is, a, this is the last one. Stay because of who put you there. Uh, we got two different verses, but uh, let me ask you, was it your parents who sent you there? Was it your church that sent you there? Now, I realize the Acts 13, yeah, it was the church with the Holy Spirit, but uh, who really sent you there? Who gave you that burden? It's like, well, I saw a movie and I thought, you know, um, 
anime is cool, I'll go to Japan. You're like, all right, wrong reason. You know, like, um, you know, who sent you there? Was it Vision Baptist Missions that sent you there? Who sent you there? My girlfriend thought it would be a good idea, and I wanted to marry her. So that's why we're here. Who sent you there? And when you get shaken to the core, you have to remember who sent you there. All right, First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse number 24. The person who called you to him. By the way, um, I don't know that that's a geographical calling. It's an individual call. God called you to him. You are his servant. So wherever he puts you, you are to serve him. You don't abandon post. You know, we, you know why we don't believe in um, the killing of babies? You say, well, of course we don't believe in that. Why? Because God's the one who gave life. Why would you try to take it? Suicide is you trying to take it in matters into your own hand. God gave you life. Don't you, you can't take that away. Let God do that. Now, ministerially, where God put you, don't leave until God tells you to leave. In other words, people aren't going to like you. Things are going to happen. You're going to have bad days. You don't grab a hold of whether the language or you don't see the fruit or whatever, but you are there because of who put you there. And you always need to go back in your mind like, Lord, I'm here because I'm serving you. I'm not here because this is. I thought this would be a marvelous adventure. No, it can be an adventure, and that's awesome. But you're there because God put you there. And you do not change. If he gave you orders, you don't change orders on your own. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. Uh, Nate, did you have that? So he started something. He'll finish it. The moment that he called you to him, to his service, God started something. Don't, okay, there's going to be, you already know this, there's going to be the rough times, but you follow the Lord. Right now, students, there's going to be times when you say, I don't know if I can pay the bill. If God puts you here, don't leave because of finances. Um, well, you know what? I just don't know if I get along with the other students. If God put you here, don't leave because of the other students. I just miss mom and dad. If God put you here, don't leave because of mom and dad. Now, if it's, no, I was sent here, I'm doing this, like, you're going to be shaken, and you have to go back to, like, why am I here? If God put you here, then you need to stay until God says, time to move on. But don't let your feelings make you move on. Don't let your anger, your bitterness, your I, I miss or whatever, don't let that move you. I met this new girl, and she's, uh, you know, I mean, I want to serve the Lord, but she doesn't, and so I'm just going to quit. You follow God, not what another person thinks, right? Um, I, I I made a message when I was on deputation that uh, wasn't very good. It was towards the last part of my deputation. I uh, It was on Jeremiah chapter 20, which is actually a marvelous passage. And in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7, verse number 8, and verse number 9, um, Jeremiah, that same one who God said, don't worry what their faces look like. You're following me. You, you preach. Well, in Jeremiah chapter 20, they throw Jeremiah in jail. And Jeremiah looks, and in this time, if you read that passage, Jeremiah looks and he says, are you serious? God, I'm not preaching anymore in your name. God, I'm not doing, this is not even worth it. If this is what I get, and we all come to that, you know, before you judge Jeremiah, but like, bad attitude, dude. Like, oh, so you have never had a bad attitude? Like, He's like, God, if this is what it's about, I quit. I'm not doing it. And then it says in Jeremiah 20, verse number 9, somebody can look it up. He said, um, there was a burning in my bones. 
that I could not say. And so he jumped back in and he said, you know what, God, I'm going to preach. God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to continue doing. Like there was something within him. He knew who called him. And so you don't quit. And here's a couple different reasons. You don't quit because there's a God who's still loving. He still loves you. He still loves people. He still loves the lost. He still wants to see. You don't quit because there's a people who are still dying. They don't know Jesus. They need hope. They need the example. You keep going. And you don't quit because there's a God who's still loving. There's people still dying. And there's a God who's still rewarding. And we go throughout the word of God. We go to Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 18, that uh, there's rewards for the righteous. We can go to 2 Timothy 4, verse number 7, 8. He said, I fought a good fight, finished my course. There's a crown laid up for me. We can go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 58. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you do for God is not in vain. There's a God who is still rewarding. Um, some of you might know this. Other you probably don't. Uh, there was a, um, a man who, his name was Patch the Pirate, Ron Hamilton. Um, he died, I think, this past year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, and anyway, he got, uh, I think, cancer, cataract cancer, something like that, and uh, he had to put a patch. And uh, so when he went back, he, you know, had this patch over him, so they started calling him Patch the Pirate. And so then he made this kid's ministry, like Awanas, that was uh, called Patch the Pirate. And, uh, you know, kids, it, it helped kids memorize verses. He was actually a, uh, um, a composer. He wrote a lot of songs and different things. And uh, very intelligent man. He's now um, with the Lord. And uh, But one of the songs he said, he said, Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right when you're ne- though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. There's a God who's still rewarding. Follow the Lord. There's a poem by a man. Uh, he was both an author and a poet. Uh, his name was John Greenleaf Whittier. It was back in the 1800s. And he wrote this poem. You probably heard it. Let me read it to you. It says this, When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when troubles are pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stay in the fight when you're hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. Don't quit. The Sturwalt principle is continue, continue, continue. You know this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 7. Man plants and man waters, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Count the cost, determine to stay, labor and love, depend on God. Stay encouraged, the work is God's, and he wants to see people saved and serving him more than you do. As Brother Randy Sturwalt would say, if you're going to see something happen, you need to stay long enough to see it. Decide to stay faithful at the post where God has placed you and wait for the fruit he will produce through you. God wants you, God wants to produce fruit in you more than you can imagine. Things that I have not seen, nor ears heard, nor thing, nor nor has heart imagined are the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. You love God? You know what God has prepared for you? You're going to go through hard times. You're going to fall. But don't quit. Keep going. If you want to see the fruit, you got to continue. 
Life tells us in the natural, like, well, duh, it takes time for something to grow. The spiritual, well, duh, it takes time for somebody. We all know that. The ministerial, well, duh, it takes time. We all know that. But when we get hit hardest, what is it? Uh, Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they're punched in the face. <laughs> right? And, and that's true. You know, like, hey, I'm going to go do great things for Jesus. And then <laughs> someone punches you like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, what? Wait, hold on there. Before you tuck tail and run, don't you think, who was the one who sent you there? Well, churches gave me money. Who do you think's in charge of those churches? Well, you know, I'm learning the language because I'm pretty smart. Who do you think gave you the smarts? Well, you know, I mean, I, I got, um, I, the Lord let me learn a lot. Of, who, you know, everything you have, it's of God, for God, through God. So don't forget it, right? The Sturwald principle is simply stay for the long haul. All right. You know, in the Friday missions class, we look at a lot of practical things that have to do with missionary life and missionary practice. And I think one thing that you as students really need to to realize um, something that's coming that you need to prepare for now and think about clearly is how to wisely answer questions. Because as a missionary, you will be asked questions on a constant basis. Just three or four weeks ago, I was in Virginia, went for a meeting, new church. I know the pastor. Um, he used to be at another church, and he invited me to come to his new church. And he told me, church starts at 9.30 in the morning. I want you to be there at 8.30. You'll have an interview with the deacons. And the deacons are going to ask you questions, and they want to want to get to know you and want some clarity on some things. And then we'll move forward to the service. And so I already know this is going to be not the most comfortable thing, not the most fun thing, and I don't know how this is going to go, but, you know, I've been in those kinds of situations and other missionaries have plenty of times. Yesterday, one of our supporting churches for many years uh, wrote a letter and the, 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 the pastor that has been there since he took us on for support nearly 20 years ago, um, or over, I guess, 20 now, we got a letter from the new pastor and the new pastor said he's trying to get to know the missionaries. And here's a series of questions that he would like uh, me to answer and then send back in so that he can get to know the missionaries. Well, oftentimes those are not just, I want to get to know the missionary, but also will determine whether or not there's future partnership with the ministry. In other words, will they continue to support or not? And the pastor is, is kind of filling you out as a missionary, which he has all the right to do that. And I think if I were in his shoes, I would probably do something similar because I want to know who I'm supporting and I want to have confidence in them. But it's important to learn to wisely answer these questions. So a few thoughts. Um, I'll share the first one. There might be another opportunity in the, the second hour to, to dig in a little bit further. But the first principle is answer questions with the Bible. Answer questions with the Bible. When possible, use biblical language in your answers. And this isn't some kind of ploy. Uh, What authority do you have? And to to be honest, especially as a young missionary, but I would say this as a middle-aged missionary, I'm not old, but I am middle-aged. Even as a middle-aged missionary, who am I to to really say, I have no authority. Uh, My opinions are not important. What is important is the Word of God, and you and I should should discipline ourselves to express our answers in a biblical fashion using biblical language when possible. 
And what do you believe? Well, we believe the Bible. The Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. Therefore, if you want to know about my faith or my practice, the Bible is going to be my, my answer. Fads and trends and traditions come, come and go. Uh, but we, we pride ourselves as being biblicist of, of being biblically, um, controlled and, 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 and led. And we're not, we're not based on our, our ministries aren't based on traditions. And it's extraordinarily important that you and I decide that we're going to be biblical when possible. Wise answers are biblical answers. And if you want to answer wisely, answer biblically. Uh, the, the, the main point is we believe the Bible. Therefore, when you ask me what I believe or what my position is on a particular area, we state that in biblical language. So let's use an example. One of the questions that was on the questionnaire that I received yesterday was to explain my philosophy of music or to state my position on music. Now, that is a very open-ended question. I don't even really understand exactly what he means um, in that particular question because I don't, he didn't give enough clarity to know the, the specifics. You know, what do I believe about music? Well, it is a, it, it's a group of notes that are put together that have a melody and they, um, it, what exactly? But you assume it's a pastor asking a missionary. He, 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 he has a, he has a particular thought and he's trying to ask you, uh, what, what you believe. So, the best thing to do is to answer with biblical language. Let's, let's look up a couple of passages and I'll give you an example. All right. Who can look up uh, and read out loud Ephesians 5.19? Raise your hand. Okay. And then who can uh, go ahead and look up Titus 2.1? Gabriel. I got the two Gabriels here. All right. What does Ephesians 5.19 say? All right, there's three categories of biblical music there. We have psalms. What's the next one? Hymns. And the last one? Spiritual songs. So what is my stance on music? We believe in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What does Titus 2.1 say? So speak thou the things which become sound. All right, there's one example of many examples of verses in the Bible that speak about sound doctrine. I believe that music should reflect sound doctrine. So if a pastor asks you a question, you can try to get down in the weeds and say, you know, I believe that guitars should be plugged in or not plugged in or that stringed instruments or wind instruments or um, percussion instruments or, you know, uh, you, you can get down into the weeds of styles or particular things and the truth is, I, I was raised in a, in, in a Southern context where, you know, Southern gospel was the, the flavor of music that um, in my family or our church, that, that that would have been the appropriate Christian music. Went to a Bible college that was a bit more of, of um, kind of the professional orchestra style music, um, what, what was more the preferred style. And the truth is there are a thousand different styles and preferences. And when you get overseas, 
you know, you can see some of the videos of some of our missionaries in different African countries where, where they might not even have instruments at all. And they're just singing a cappella, but they're singing in a way that, that, you know, with a lot of clapping and uh, the, the, there's a lot of culture, a lot of context and a lot of, if a pastor wants clarity on something, then he can request clarity and we should openly give that clarity. But when we give biblical answers and we actually believe the Bible, then it, it makes it much, much easier to answer this. So I do believe that our music should be at our church, in our ministry, in, in our per- personal usage, that um, psalms are great options. Hymns are great options. Spiritual songs are great options. And music with, with good doctrine are great options. And uh, if we answer in in ways like that, it really allows us to have more more foundation to our answer and more clarity. And obviously, we are answering with a with a biblical answer. So the application to this is we've got to learn the Bible, right? We've got to learn the Bible because in order to be able to give biblical answers, then you and I must must know God's word. I remember hearing a story. Um, I met. Um, John Wilkerson, when he was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Long Beach, California, back when we were on deputation, we met him and they took us on for support. Some of the people in the church commented that they called him to preach because when he came to the pastoral interview, they interviewed multiple men. It was a larger church, is a larger church, a little over a thousand people or so. And when he interviewed back in the early 2000s, they asked a lot of questions about practical things. You know, what, what would you do as the pastor or what is your position or what do you think about? And they said that, that John Wilkerson answered almost every question with, well, you know, the Bible says, and, and he would quote the passage or he would give a, a bit of the passage in his own words, but he just kept going back to the Bible. And they realized, all right, here's a man you know, we've interviewed guys that have strong personalities, that have a lot of opinions, that are very, you know, here's what I would do as the pastor, and this is the direction I would like to go. Then you have this man that is just Bible, 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 and every answer comes back with the Bible. And it seems like if he became the pastor, we're probably going to have a ministry that's going to reflect the Bible. And that seems like a good fit, right? And as a missionary, we can have a lot of positions and thoughts and ideas. And, and as a young person, depending on what your background is, you can have a lot of positions, thoughts, and ideas about things. But we should submit all of those position, thoughts, and ideas to God's Word and decide that we want to be biblical in our ministry, biblical in our philosophy, biblical in our ways of approaching ministry, biblical in our personal life, our family life, our ministry life, and the Bible should be the foundation. And we're not talking about using this as some kind of ploy, like the best way to try to, you know, answer the pastor so that, no, we're not talking about using this as a ploy. We're talking about actually, you believe the Bible, and so you answer. I can't really give you much, many thoughts about using the example of music, outside of what I can find in the Bible without just getting into a hundred percent preference or, or my, my personal taste come from the South and I kind of like a guitar. I'm in Latin America, you know, the, the, it's completely personal taste it has nothing to do with right or wrong. 
Um, but we, we do have biblical answers and we should limit ourselves to biblical answers. And I think that is extraordinarily important. And it seems that sometimes it takes guys like me uh, at times a decade or two to really <coughs> get that clear and, and to realize, you know what? We, we said from the beginning we're biblical. Let's just stick with, with being biblical throughout.